This week I said we would think about what being children of a good father means for our community. So that's what we're going to have a look at, what it means for our community. Now let me start by asking you a question. You can answer out loud if you like or just in your head. Do you ever feel that your family is different in ways that other people would think were peculiar? Yes, what is this? Your point being? <laughs> so let me ask you this question. Have you ever just kept quiet when you've been with a group of friends and they're saying what they were allowed to do on the week, what they did on the weekend or you know, what they're allowed to do, where they're allowed to go, how much access they have to the internet and those sorts of things? You've kept quiet about it because your family has clearly got very different uh, expectations and boundaries around those things and you think they'll just think I'm weird. <laughs> they'll just think my mum and dad are weird. When uh, Hayden and our and my daughters got married when they were 21 years of age, which is well over a decade now for ago for both of them. Um, some of my friends thought that was very peculiar. Not that they had partners, but that they would choose to get married to them and not try it out first. And I had friends who said to me, that's really odd. That's peculiar. Now, sometimes the things that make us feel peculiar aren't the big things, the big sort of lifestyle choices that we might make. It can be about very, very small things that make me look peculiar or make you look peculiar to me. For example, did you know some families don't bathe their children every night? I know. Some people never, ever put a drink on a table without a coaster. Never, ever. And if you try and do it in their house, coasters come flying from all across the room at great speed to, to get there under your cup. Did you know, one family, actually I'll tell you, it was Tim and Claire Clark Wood for all their, their neatness and their carefulness. They didn't care who they shared a water bottle with. They, 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 if Tim was here now, he'd have a drink out of this, no worries at all. What about germs? Tell you what. Do you know, some people eat out at the same restaurant on the same night of the week, every week of the year. Some people leave their dishes till the morning. Some people leave their dishes for a week or more. I had a friend who was convinced her mother-in-law left the dishes till she turned up, and then she would, the mother-in-law would pull them out of the, the cupboard under the sink and put them out there. I don't know if that was true. Anyway, people can be peculiar strange, unusual, and distinctive. So I want you to hold on to that thought of peculiar people and come back with me a little into um, a bit of church history. When, when I was in theological college, we read a lot of early Christian writings aside from the Bible. And one of them was called the epistle, or the letter, to Diognetus, or Diognetus, I don't know how you say his name. We don't know very much about him or the guy who wrote the letter, but Diognetus seems to have been a Greek guy who lived around 120 to 200 uh, in the common era, common era, CE. And the Greek author of the letter was, was motivated to write to uh, the Greek guy that he was writing to in defence of Christians who were getting some bad press in Rome because people were saying that the followers of Jesus were peculiar and not in good ways at all. They had bizarre beliefs and, and did things that you know, had behaviours and actions that were a threat to normal society. And the writer of the letter wanted to argue a couple of things. He, he wanted to argue, first of all, that the followers of Jesus were actually very normal, regular people in some ways. They wore the same sort of clothes, ate the same sort of food, lived in the same sort of houses, um, you know, they, they, they paid their taxes, they, they kept the laws. They were, in many ways, regular citizens, just like their neighbours, not so weird at all. But he agreed that they were different 
and peculiar even in some ways. They were peculiar in the way that they showed love to others, even when they received no love or even courtesy in return. They were distinctive because although they weren't necessarily the richest people in society, they shared what they had so that everybody at least had enough. They were unusual because they dealt with the unkindness and abuse that they were often shown with courtesy and grace. He wrote that these early Christians lived kindly and generously and compassionately in their community, very much connected to their community, but they lived like that because they seemed to have a sense of family and home beyond the community that they were living in. And he wrote this, I love this phrase. He said, for the good they do, they suffer stripes as evildoers. For the good they do, they suffer stripes as evildoers. And I want to point out to you that it was from a group like this. Oh, what's happening there? <laughs> you can just shut it down if you like. We're up to about PowerPoint slide five. Thank you. Um, just so people stay with me and I stay with it as well. Um, this group of people that I was describing to you, they, they were a group of people that um, a historian, Rodney Stark, estimates were only about 0.0017% of the entire world population in 40 CE. So these peculiar people, these guys are a little bit later than that, but they were like the peculiar people that were that tiny proportion of the population in 40 CE. And it's from those, that small group of peculiar people, that's what I'm trying to say, that the church grew. And it grew because they were peculiar. Not in the ways, though, I want to argue, that might be coming to your mind now when you think about peculiar Christians. And not in the way that we might get answers if we were to walk up and down the streets out there right now and say, you know, what do you think is peculiar about Christians? They, they weren't peculiar in that way. The church grew because those early Christians were peculiar in exactly the same way as God is peculiar. That's why the church grew. And think about how God is peculiar. James Bryan Smith, who I've referred to a number of times in this series, he, he describes God's peculiarity like this. He said, God is a father who gets badly mistreated by a wayward child, a father who aches for his lost child to come home and throws him a wild celebration when he does, as bad as he's been. God is like an employer who pays everybody a full day's wages, even the guys that only turned up and did an hour. And John, who was one of the early followers of Jesus, he describes um, God's peculiarity like this. This is the PowerPoint slide six, the one John slide. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So God, the good father, he loved us. He loved people who did not know him or love him or respect him. He loved people who did not even think he was real. He came to be one of us. And when he'd done what he needed to do to reconcile us to himself through Jesus, he left his own spirit in us so that we can be peculiarly loving, unusually loving, like God himself. John goes on, Dear friends, 
Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us, him in us. We've heard that again in different verses over this series. And I want to say this, as it is with God, so should it be with his children. As God's children, we are essentially peculiar people. Peculiar like God is. Peculiar because we will love other people and do what is right by them, whether or not they love us back and whether or not they do what is right by us. So what difference does it make to our community that we are children of a good God? Well, the difference it makes is that we will live good lives that make a difference for others. We will live good lives that make a difference for others. We will not be people who do occasional acts of kindness. We won't be people who, when we've got the energy and the time and the resources and we're in the mood, do good things for other people. It can't be like that. We're not about temporary acts of kindness. You see, we are God's children. And we will live as people in whom Jesus himself lives with every breath and every word and every action, every day, all of our lives. We will live good lives because we are made new in Jesus and because God has planned good things for us to do. Paul wrote about it like this. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it than this next bit. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus and listen for the reason he did that so we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. That is actually quite incredible. Last week, I went to Canberra with about 40 other Baptist uh, people, and uh, we met with nearly 60 senators and MPs uh, to present two reports that uh, we had uh, taken with us and to make some specific asks. Now, I sent an email out Thursday which gave some summary of, of how that went. If you haven't read that yet, I encourage you to. And if you're not on our church-wide email list, please get yourself on that, unless you're doing it because you can't bear the thought of getting more emails. But you get some really good stuff, and we try not to abuse it and send too many out. You'll see in the bulletin there's a LBC's email address. Just email that address and say, please add me to the church-wide email list, and then you'll, you'll get some of these uh, things that we, we send out. So one of the reports that we took, which has been researched by Baptist people from all across Australia, is called No Room, a report on domestic violence services in Australian communities. That was one of the reports that we took. And the other, and I, I can give you the links to both of these, they're in that document that I sent out to you. The other is about how Australia is doing against uh, the sustainable development goals that all UN countries have, have committed to, to go some way towards dealing with by 2030. So we found, it was very interesting, we talked to politicians from all um, political persuasions, of all political persuasions, and they were receptive and open and engaged. Didn't always agree on everything, particularly with regards to the Global uh, Neighbour Index. 
So the Sustainable Development Goals, you can imagine with some of the coalition politicians, there was some prickly moments with regards to refugees and CO2 emissions and those sorts of things. Um, interestingly enough, there was just bipartisan support for the asks that we made with regards to domestic violence. That is not a political issue anymore. That is a, a human issue that uh, people from all sides of politics were happy to be in conversation with. But, you know, even when we disagreed, the conversation was, to my surprise, I have to say, respectful and, I think, useful, with the exception of one politician. The politicians had to opt in to letting us come see them. There were 40 of us, and we went in groups of three. I think it was 58 or 59 politicians had said yes, but, you know, they opted in to give us 20 to 30 minutes to come speak to them about three things we wanted to ask them, action to take with domestic violence, and to present that other report. And this guy had uh, not wanted to. Although a couple of women had been canvassing him and, and ringing his office because he's in their electorate, and they were pretty keen to talk to him, and there they were in, in, in Canberra. Eventually, in the last slot we had on the last day, his advisor rang and said, OK, he'll see three of you. So the two women went and another a guy went with them. And this politician is a professing Christian. And he, he said a number of things, but he, he made two responses which the group uh, reported back to the, to the whole group. And I thought they were extraordinary, as, as did other people. The first thing he said was that he didn't know much about Australia's domestic violence issues and it wasn't really on his radar. Shoulder shrug. And the second thing was this. He said, you Baptists are wrong to be here. You should stay in your churches and do church things. And you shouldn't come and talk to us and advocate on the part of people who uh, you consider are oppressed or vulnerable in any way. It was like he was saying, stay in your churches and get people sorted for the afterlife and don't worry yourselves about anything more than that. <laughs> well, he didn't get that as children of God, we are not twiddling our thumbs. We are not just hanging around. We are not killing time till we die and go to heaven. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Does that sound like sitting around and twiddling your thumbs and waiting to get to heaven? I don't think so. There's good things planned for us to do. As children of God, we are called by our Father to make a difference now for other people. We are called to give expression to God's amazing love for other people, not keep it for ourselves, in our words and deeds. As children of God and followers of Jesus, we are continuing the work of Jesus. We're actually giving witness to the reign of God and his kingdom. And in some amazingly mysterious, awesome way, we are joining God in the reconciling work that he is doing with all of his creation, between all of his creation and himself. And I want to say very clearly, this is not what some, perhaps some even here, will dismissively call the social gospel. Ah, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to make us children of our good Father God, and once we are his children, he has good things for us to do for other people, especially when those other people are vulnerable, especially when those other people are oppressed or unjustly treated or in some way less than in society's eyes, maybe because of gender or race or age 
or even their opinions and their positions. Um, yeah, whatever it is that, that, that makes us value some people as less than. Now, James Brian Smith, he, he tells an amazing story in, in a chapter associated with this sort of thinking here. It's of his sister's church, so not his own church, but a church that his sister went to. And they were um, putting on and hosting and, and running a funeral for a young man, uh, a young homosexual man. It was some years ago now, and it would have been an even more extraordinary thing to do. Apparently, the day of the funeral, it was in America, was extremely cold, and it was wet as well. Uh, but it didn't stop another church in that community coming to the church who was hosting the funeral and picketing out the front of the church as mourners were, were going through into the service. And they carried placards that read, God hates fags. And they, they, were placard, they were picketing with these placards as mourners went through into the service. Now the people of the church holding the service were shocked. They had a little quick, um, you know, crisis meeting. What the heck are we going to do here? And they decided to do two things. First, they reminded themselves that first and foremost, they were there to care for the family and friends of the young man who had died. And they continued to do that kindly and compassionately. And secondly, they, they liberated a few people that were there to, to help with the funeral to go into the church kitchen and make hot chocolate. And they took trays of hot chocolate out to the people from the other church who were out in the cold and the wet picketing and served them hot chocolate. There's a lot of peculiarity in that story, isn't there? Sadly, the church doing the picketing had forgotten whose children they were, I think. They did behave in a distinctive way, but they weren't being peculiar like God is peculiar. And, you know, it's the same of us. When we behave in odd ways that don't reflect God's peculiarity, then we've forgotten the gospel, the good news. Um, Jackie Hill Perry is a same-sex attracted woman who is married and has two children with her husband. And in, in relation to this story, she, she, she wrote this. She said, God has not come mainly to make same-sex attracted men and women completely straight or to get them hitched, because that solves the problem. Christ has come to make us right with God, or the language we've been using, to make us children of God. And in making us right with God, she says, he is satisfying us in God. And that news is good for a reason, for it proclaims to the world that Jesus has come so that all sinners, gay and straight, can be forgiven of their sins to love God and enjoy him forever. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is that the gospel is good news for everyone. Okay, this story was about the, you know, the gay and straight um, op opposites there. But it's good news for everyone, rich and poor, men and women, young and old, left and right wing, people of all nations and races and abilities. And once we've accepted that for ourselves, once you and I have become children of God, our job is not to go out to other people who aren't yet children and tell them all the ways we think that our father might be cross with them. I think that's sometimes what we think our job is to do. Well, I better go and tell those people that they should stop doing that because my dad's not going to like that. 
That's not our job when we become children of God, to go out and tell other people who aren't yet children of God where they're going to get in big trouble if they come meet our dad. Our job when we become children of God is to get on it and do the good works that God had already planned for us to do. Good things that bring attention and glory to the peculiar love and grace of our good Father. I know that's not the same. It doesn't mean we don't have opinions and beliefs and stand for things, but can you see what I'm trying to say? Can you see about horses and carts and and what we rush on to? When the clear command is that if we are children of God, we get on and do the good things that God has planned for us to do. We do not put our good energy and our resources into telling not yet children how they're going to fail, how they are failing in that space. I'm going to invite the band back to the platform. You know, I think here at LBC, we are already doing some of those uh, peculiarly good things that LBC is called to do. Um, The coach mentoring program. Uh, We're going to send out an update about that tomorrow to the church-wide email, so get yourself on that if you'd like to to read that. I'm going to ask you to read it and pray about it and think about it. Les Murdy Community Care, some great relational stuff that is happening in Zion Youth. There's some of the ways that I think we are already being peculiar in the good ways. But I want to tell you this um, story. On Friday, we had our open day for kindy. We have a three-year-old kindy. And we had an open day to try and get families in the community to come along to sign up their kids for 2019. Getting to that end of this year already. And one of the mums who came along was sort of asked, it was in the context of sort of why why did you come? How did you hear about us? Why are you here? She made a comment, something to, to the effect of, well, everybody in this community knows this is the kindy to be in. This is the kindy you want your, your three-year-old to be in if you live in this, in this shire, in this city. And I thought to myself, now that's peculiar. <laughs> well, no, not because the, the teachers aren't great, but yeah, that could have gone that way. No, we live in a society that is actively suspicious of the Christian church, and the kindy that we run is clearly Christian. The children are taught how to pray, they are read Bible stories, they are cared for and nurtured by a wonderful Christian staff. So in a society that you know, is actively suspicious of the Christian church, there's a non-church lady saying, well, everybody in this community wants to be in this kindy here. And you know, our kindy is full of non-church families. Non-church families with little kids who are being taught how to pray and thank God for their food and for the day and for each other and who are taught the stories of the Bible. And I think that is a simple example of the sort of peculiar love that does reflect God's own peculiarity, God's own heart. Next week, Josh is going to look more specifically at how we can be present and good children of God in our workplaces. But today we're kind of in that community space. And I want to ask you to think about how you will commit yourself. I know many of you have already committed yourself with this church family to step into the spaces that we already have that that good presence. But I want to ask you to do more than that. Not, Not to make us busy, but to make us be in tune with God. Can we ask together, what else, Papa? 
What does our community need? In what ways are you calling us to, to be peculiar? What have you prepared for LBC to do in this community? As I say, I think we're doing some of it. But we won't be doing all of it. What good things has God prepared for us to be doing? Why would we do this? Why would we be good and present in our community? I'm going to borrow the words of a song. It's why I do it. I believe it's why we do it. We do these things because our Father God is the God whom all creation obeys. Because stars were made to worship our Father God. Because mountains bow down in reverence to him and oceans roar his greatness. We do it because everything exists to lift him high and the wind goes where he sends it and we do it because if we are quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. We do it because he gave his life so we could find our lives. We do it because he left the grave behind. We do it because God did this out of love for everyone. For you and for me, for us and for them. Whoever the them is. For them, for everyone. So why would we be present and good in our community? Because of the three things that I think we've said over this series. Because our Father has proved his love and he can be trusted. Because we, when we accept that, are children. Not worms with wings, children. And because as it is with our Father, so it will be with us.